Hi there, this is Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is the Love to Tell the Story podcast. What does the Lord require of us? What are the checkpoints, so to speak, of an authentically Christian life, and how can we be sure that we've checked all the boxes? Based on Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, and the Beatitudes from Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12, here's today's message, and it's entitled appropriately, Checking All the Boxes. It's a piece that is attributed to the late Wilbur Reese. He was a uh, prolific pastor, preacher, and author. And this particular piece dates back to the early 1970s. And, and though I honestly don't remember exactly when I first encountered it, I'm, I have a feeling it was while I was in high school during those 1970s. But I can tell you for absolute certain that it's one of those bits of writing that was very influential on my thinking and has stayed with me from the very moment I actually first read it. It reads, I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep. Not enough to take control of my life, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk. Just enough to equal a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a black man or to go out into the fields and pick beets with a migrant worker. Not enough to change my heart. I want the ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, but not a new birth. What I want is a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. You know, I got to say that even now, 50 years later, I know that, that these, this is from a long time ago, but it's still a powerful and disturbing piece of work and also sadly contemporary. It's disturbing, at least to me, because I don't know about you, but for me, what Wilbur Reese said there points up just how much where my own faith is concerned that I fall short. You see, friends, I have always felt that being a Christian amounts to more than mere philosophy. That even though faith involves embracing the indescribable peace and comfort that comes in knowing God, that's in fact only the beginning. To have faith, to be a Christian, is to be no less than a follower of Jesus Christ. And what that means is that whatever I choose to do or however I am called to be in this life, whatever I put out there of myself for others to see, as a Christian, I am to be identified first and foremost as a disciple, Jesus' disciple. A life of faith is meant to give shape and form to the entirety of our life and living. 
As Christians, you see, our lives are meant to be filled up with Christ. But then here comes a passage like the one from Wilbur Reese. And I come to this again and again as I hear this passage. I come to this rather harsh realization that there is, in fact, this wide chasm between how my life as a disciple should be and how it really is. I begin to realize that while I do cherish having God in my life, the truth is, the hard truth is, is that there are times that what I really want is just enough of God in my life to feel God's warmth, his strength, but not so much of God that I really begin to feel his pushing and prodding of me in my life. Because I'll confess it to you here and now, I don't always want God to lead me out of my own comfort zone in order that I might be a true disciple. I don't really want to be put in the place where I might actually have to take the risk to step up and do what I already know is the good and the right and the faithful thing to do. There are moments in my life, a whole lot of them really, when I wonder why can't I just sit on the sidelines to to nod knowingly and let others do the heavy lifting for me. Sometimes I'd rather not deal with the cost of discipleship, friends, because I want the joy. Yes, I'm a minister. This is my vocation. This is what I do. This is who I am. But I am here to tell you this morning that in all honesty, sometimes I just want my $3 worth of God and nothing more. Thanks very much. (laughs) (sighs) Well, I guess if confession is good for the soul, then I'm pretty much good to go today. Actually, though, lest I miss my guess, I'm not alone in that confession. I'm suspecting strongly that there are a great many of us in this sanctuary today who are also struggling with trying to truly live unto that which we know in our heart is true and real and required of our Christian faith. This coming Wednesday, the first day of November, is marked on the Christian calendar as All Saints Day or All Hallows Day. It's also uh, Feast of All Hallows, is known as. And, and by the way, here's a fun fact. If you didn't already know, that's why the night before is known as All Hallows Eve or Halloween. But unlike Halloween, All Hallows Day is a Christian celebration of all of those who have walked the walk of faithfulness throughout the ages, up to and including the here and now, which makes it all the more appropriate that the gospel reading for this celebration is, in fact, our text for this morning, one of our texts for this morning, the one that Gail just shared with us, the Beatitudes from the book of Matthew, in which Jesus gives one of his most well-known and most beloved of sermons, but also what may be his first overview of the kingdom of God and of the people who shall dwell within it. You know the words very well. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. And even blessed those are those who end up reviled and persecuted because of their faith. As I said before, it is one of the most familiar and beautiful and deeply meaningful passages we have in the Gospels. And it is meant to be the spiritual reassurance to those whom Jesus came to save. But by extension, it also represents what true faith ought to look like in the world, but more importantly, in us. And that's very interesting to me. Because in all honesty, even at our most spiritual, there are times for each of us, are there not, when we are not as much hungering and thirsting for righteousness as we are just simply seeking a way to get by. To live a life of mourning or to be poor in spirit or otherwise is not what most of us would expect or desire from a life of faith. And as for those inevitable moments of persecution that come about because you're being faithful, odds are our first response to that is not going to be rejoice and be glad. No. And yet, there you have it. In 12 very succinct verses, the very ideal of the Christian life as outlined by our Lord Jesus. It is, I would I would describe it as the the supporting architecture of the entirety of God's kingdom. But you see, the hard truth is that most often, on both counts, we have fallen short of that vision. We have fallen short of that mark. Who knows how it's happened? Perhaps we've let the vision slip away from us. Maybe it's the inevitable result of having compromised our faith in and through the ever-changing culture of the world around us. Maybe it's just easier to embrace discipleship's joy without accepting its cost. It's it's part of what uh, the late Dietrich Bonhoeffer referred to as cheap grace. That is, he said, the grace we bestow upon ourselves, grace that comes without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. Well, whatever the reason, the end result is that we have let ourselves become content with just having $3 worth of God. We just want just a a little bit of of an affordable, passing, cozy relationship with the Almighty rather than wholly giving and directing our lives to God, which is the meaning of discipleship. So the real question before us this morning is, how do we get back to that? How do we become true disciples? Well, it seems to me that a good place for us to start in that comes from our other text for this morning that Gail read to us, which comes from the Old Testament book of Micah. Again, very familiar passage. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you 
but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Not only familiar, but very powerful words to our ears. They are words that, at least for me, offer a sense of stability and purpose in a very complicated and divided and violent world. And yet, we have to read them understanding that they are words that set forth a radically different way of life. Basically, friends, what we've got here is a veritable checklist for the saints. Uh, A minimum daily requirement of a life of faith in God. It's very simple. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly and holy with the Almighty in everything we do. These represent three qualities of life that are infinitely more important than any sacrifice or offering we can possibly make. It is, in fact, the sum total of what God intends for his people, for them to receive and for them to be. Okay, so, of course, we read these verses usually as very much a word of encouragement. But when you look at the backstory of Micah the prophet, you find that this, is, this edict to do justice and love kindness is, is really less of an encouragement to God's people to do better than it is a judgment on how they've been. It's true. If you read around those three verses of Micah we share today, and I would encourage you to do so, what you discover is that those verses come in the context of the Lord having a case against his people. The the truth that God will contend with Israel. In other words, what we read here is that if Israel fails to change its ways, then it's going to become an object of scorn and derision among the nations and before God. The message here being, is if you're going to be my people, O Israel, then here is what is required of you. I'm reminded of a story told about the baseball great Babe Ruth. Pretty fitting as the World Series is going on right now. Story goes that during one particular game, there was this famous umpire of the day whose name, interestingly enough, was also Babe, Babe Pinelli. And Pinelli had the audacity to call Babe Ruth out on strikes. Needless to say, the babe was not pleased, and he angrily said to Pinelli, There's 40,000 people here who know that last one was a ball, you tomato head. (laughs) To which Pinelli replied very calmly, Yes, that may be so, but mine is the only opinion that counts. (laughs) It's very easy, you see, for us to seek out any and all shortcuts, shall we say, where living morally and ethically and faithfully is concerned. It's all too tempting to rationalize away what we already know to be true, even in the face of our own failures in that regard. But you see, in the end, we will stand with our damaged righteousness before the only one whose opinion truly counts it becomes all the more important to know 
what God requires of us, because that's the only truth, the only opinion, the only calling that matters. And it is very simple. It's attainable, but make no mistake, there, these are three requirements, three items on this checklist that mean everything where life and faith is concerned. First, it's a requirement that has to do with conduct, to do justice, to live life with the gold standard of valuing others in the same way that we value ourselves and in the same way that we know God values us. And it comes back to those two great commandments that we spoke of last Sunday, to love God and to love people, to love your neighbor as yourself. What that means is that we are to bring justice and equity, and fairness, and hope to others. Most especially to the poor in spirit, to those who grieve, to those who have been persecuted and are downtrodden, truly doing to others as you would have them do to you. So that's the first requirement. That's the first item on this checklist. And the second item is actually builds on the first. It has to do with character. The first being conduct, the second being character. To love kindness. To love kindness reflects an awareness of God's mercy that cannot help but extend to our relationships with one another. It is to love as we have been loved. It is to forgive as we have been forgiven. It is to show mercy and compassion, at least to the extent to what we have received from the Lord in abundance. In fact, in ways that is more than we can even begin to measure. If I might put this in another way, the first requirement is to do the work of God's love, but the second is <laughs> to mean it. And for that to happen, there's that third box on the checklist, and that has to do with communion, with fellowship, with relationship with the Almighty, to walk humbly with God. And what that means is to simply walk in fidelity with the Almighty, to always seek to be speaking and acting and living as in the presence of God in all ways and in all, at all times. I had a ministerial colleague years ago who was very fond of making sure at every church committee meeting there was always one empty chair around the table. And he would tell the people who were gathered for the committee meeting, nope, don't sit in that chair, that's where Jesus is sitting. It served as, I think, a very apt reminder that while they might not actually be aware of it, there is always a spiritual component to the work that we do together. And God's presence in Jesus Christ at these gatherings should affect how our business goes. It should affect how sometimes our behavior unfolds. We need to have Jesus around the table. This is a truth that extends to just about every endeavor of our lives, friends. It is walking humbly with our God that produces the character we need to possess and affect the conduct of our lives. 
It's in walking in tandem with our God that we can learn to live without compromises in this life, without rationalizing away what we do. And it's how we can dare to live as radically as God requires. It is that kind of life that ultimately, you see, leads to blessedness. It is that kind of life that fits in the kingdom of God. See, that's what's wonderful uh, to me about these Beatitudes. And it's yet another amazing way that the Old and New Testaments connect. For Micah, you see, gives us God's minimum daily requirements. But Jesus shows us the benefits of a life lived by God's intention for us. According to Jesus, it is the deep desire to do things God's way that changes our life. The blessedness that comes in knowing that even in the midst of poverty or mourning or persecution, we will discover a life that is light and a reward that is great and everlasting. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God God requires as we go about the business of life. That is the pathway of righteousness. And here's the thing. That pathway is already clearly set before us. We even do have this checklist to make sure we have no troubles on the journey. So I guess the real question for us then, friends, is are we checking all the boxes? Are we checking all the boxes to be true disciples, to live holy in faith? Now, the bottom line, friends, we are going to falter. We're going to stumble on the journey because that's just who we are. We make our mistakes. We are a sinful, faltering humanity, and that's just who we are. But the good news is that by being attentive to all the items on that list, we can just stand up again and keep walking no matter what. Because the great and glorious blessing that runs through the whole of our journey is that we are walking with God. And not only are we walking with God, God is walking with us. And because God walks with us, no matter what happens along the way, we can rejoice and be glad. So walk humbly, beloved, this week. Work hard at checking all the boxes of living the faithful life as you go. If you fall down, that's okay. Stand up, keep going. Reestablish the journey. Take out your spiritual compass for a bit. Check the directions and make sure you're headed in the right direction and then go. Because that's going to lead you down the right pathway of living the faithful life. I hope and I pray that we'll all be checking all the boxes this week, friends, and as we do, that we make our thanks unto God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, Checking All the Boxes. 
It was recorded during our October the 29th service of worship at East Church, where, by the way, you are always invited to join us in person for that worship. It happens every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road. That's just off exit 16 of I-93 in Concord, New Hampshire. I would love the opportunity to welcome you to our worship. I know you'll be glad you came. For now, that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. As always, I thank you for listening today. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.